And um, those um, <clears throat> photographs that you've just seen go up are just a snapshot of Amelia and Lindsay's uh, trip to Albania. Uh, there are more, and uh, Lindsay would be happily to, happy to show them to you. Um, but, but a great trip. And uh, great when people go out from the church, God touches their heart, and, uh, and they do mission. And uh, mission changes your life uh, forever. This morning, friends, we're just continuing on our autumn series of, of God First. Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And we were reminded in the introductory message of uh, the need, the priority of putting the rule, the kingdom of God, right at the very center of our lives. The context there in Matthew 6 He's talking about the Lord knowing about our every need. And when we put him first, when we make him the priority of our life, God first, then we can believe for these other things to find their place and to be blessed of God. And we've been looking at various aspects of putting God first. Christian reminded us about putting God first in giving. Paul reminded us about putting God first in connecting. Uh, it was me that uh, uh, reminded us of putting God first in serving. And then Josh last week uh, from the great story of Zacchaeus in the Gospel of Luke reminded us of the power of putting God first in engaging. This week for a few moments, I'm going to take us to a verse uh, in the Bible in the New Testament uh, in a moment or two, Hebrews 10 verse 25, because I want us this morning to consider for a few moments, how we put God first in gathering. Putting God first in gathering. <clears throat> and in Hebrews, we're reminded of the complete work of Jesus. One of the key words of Hebrews is the word better. The pictures, the shadows of the Old Testament pointing to a fulfillment in Christ on the cross, uh, which we've heard about this morning as we've celebrated breaking of bread but also bringing about a new covenant, a new agreement, which we live in today, the age of grace, and uh, that God has brought us into something better. And in Hebrews chapter 10, he says that he's brought us into a new and living way. This morning, we've been able to engage with the almighty God because Jesus has made a way for us. And in that chapter, there's a, there's a great little passage for preachers because there's five letters, not letters. Let us, sorry, I didn't want it to sound like a letter. Let us. And one of the um, invitations in the light of our opportunity to have a personal relationship with God in Jesus says this, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Hebrews 10.25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now Christian leaders in this day in which we live would be particularly familiar with many debates and discussions about what we would call the gathered church. I don't want to go there this morning. Suffice to say, friends, that uncomfortably so for me, there are many people that want to dilute it and reduce it with respect to going to Ikea or McDonald's. Well, that's church. If I meet with a few folks for a coffee, that's church. I want to say, friends, in one sense it might be in terms of meeting with people, but in another sense it really isn't. 
And in Arena Church, we emphatically believe as a leadership and as a community of believers that part of our expression of the God-first, devoted followership of Jesus is that we find ways to identify with a group of believers, hopefully us, but not necessarily so, because clearly there are other local churches around, and gather with them on a regular basis. Here's what somebody said about the church um, from an American perspective as a leader. He says, nothing on the earth will last forever. No business, no government, or even nation. But the church will. A thousand years from now, there may not be a United States of America. No nation lasts forever. No empire lasts forever. Where's the Roman Empire today? Where's the great empire A thousand years from today, there probably won't even be Microsoft, believe it or not. A thousand years from today, even many of our good Christian organizations will be gone. Nothing man-made lasts. Nothing lasts but the church. Wow. What an amazing institution. What an amazing expression of God's body in the earth the church is. Someone's defined the church as God's agency for change in the earth. And when we talk about church, of course, in our mindset, we often think of a building. So this morning, we might have even talked about we are going to church. We understand that. We're not going to fall out over that phrase. But actually, friends, it digs deeper than that. Because in the New Testament, some of you will understand that the New Testament was written in uh, the Greek language of the day. And sometimes it gives us a little bit more insight into what the Word of God was driving down to. The word for church in the New Testament is the word ecclesia. And interestingly, it was not only used for Christians to come together, but it was also used at times to describe assemblies of civic gatherings. So in those days, particularly in a Greek context, people would love to come together and debate and talk over points. And it would often be called an ecclesia. Another expression of the sense of that word is that we're called out. Called out of darkness and into light. So when we talk about church, when we talk about gathering together, when we talk about going to church, here's a little definition about actually what it means. We are called out people who gather or assemble together. That's the church. Now, we belong to a national and indeed international network, the sixth biggest denomination in the world called Assemblies of God. Sometimes people find the title a bit clunky. But seeing what Ecclesia means, perhaps we're not so wide of the mark after all. Because the early fathers were talking about gatherings of God. That's what the expression of the local church was. Ecclesias of God, assemblies of God. It's not a building. Over 10 years ago, this building was a, an ex-hosiery factory that had been operating for a church for about a decade. And the leader, leaders at the time took a step of faith and virtually demolished it. The dance studio is the last vestiges of the old building. And over a period of numbers of months, uh, you would watch as you saw Vic Brown and the building contractors and everybody else working on this corner plot of this town and out of it arose this lovely two-story building what happened to the church during that time 
called at that time, I think, Ilkeston Christian Fellowship, Arena Church. Did it stop functioning for months? No, what happened, friends, was it met at the Regency Rooms uh, up at the top of town, and the ecclesia, the local gathered expression of the church, continued to function. It wasn't defined by the fact that it didn't have its own building to meet in. And then what about Mansfield? Well, just over four years ago, we decided as we repurposed and replanted Arena Church Mansfield, that it wouldn't be appropriate for us to meet in the building that had been met in for many years. And there was a price paid, certainly emotionally, for people that said, we're on that journey, and we paid it. We started to meet at Field Mill. Sorry, I can't call it One Call Stadium. It's Big Field Mill. And, uh, and, um, and, and on a case, we got locked out of Field Mill. Can you remember when the bait wasn't our problem? It was a problem with the ex-chairman at Mansfield Town. And they had these huge padlocks, so we went to a snooker club for a few weeks. And we did a Christmas service in the Civic Centre, and then we came back to Field Mill. And then wonderfully, miraculously, we got hold of this building on Lehman Street uh, 18 months ago. And just over a year ago, moved in, and now it's become our church base on Sundays and beyond. And we believe in for God to do great things. But the reality, friends, none of that's been defined by a building. It's been defined by a gathering. People that had a passion for God to do something fresh in Mansfield. And friends, in the Bible, it was, the church was never referred to as a specific place. It was always referred to as a specific gathering. For the first 300 years of the Christian church, they didn't have a church building. But it didn't stop the church touching the ends of the earth. And sometimes buildings have been wrongly motivated. They've been built for the glory of man, not the glory of God. They've been built so, oh, we can house his presence there. But the reality is that God comes to gatherings of people. So, well, don't you respect the buildings? We absolutely do. We take our responsibility to steward these buildings very, very seriously. We're so thankful that we've got a great building here and we've got a great building in Mansfield where people can gather too. I mean, imagine all these cars being on your street this morning and everybody trying to get in your living room. It wouldn't work. The neighbors have been going ballistic. It's a convenient place for us to come to where we gather. But please, maybe you're on a journey to faith and say, well, this doesn't seem much like a church. Well, that's okay. It's a building. It's a, that's all it is. It's a building which we honor and which we respect and which we treat in an appropriate way. But what makes the church this morning is when we began to worship God and sing his praises and pray and break bread and gather together. And something happened in the atmosphere that was God's. That's the church. That's the church. And I want to encourage his friends this morning as we put God first to continually put the church as part of our gathered commitment. Now, church sometimes has had a bad press. Here's what somebody wrote about soap. I was forced to wash as a child. All people who wash are hypocrites. They think they're cleaner than everybody else. There are so many different kinds of soap, I can't decide which one is the best for me. I used to wash, but I got bored and stopped doing it. I only wash on special occasions like Christmas and Easter. 
Oh, none of my friends wash. I have had a few friends like that, but... <laughs> I'll start washing when they get older and dirtier. <clears throat> I don't have time to wash. The bathroom is never warm enough in winter or cool enough in summer. The people who make soap are only after your money. It sounds rather familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> because for soap, put church. But I want to tell you, friends, I'm, I, I said this very carefully. I'm proud to belong to the church of Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing, friends. Did you realize, friends, that the church has two expressions? It has the church local, Arena Church, Mansfield, and Ilkeston. But there are 10 million local churches in the earth. Isn't that fantastic? Some of you have been to Africa. There's a thousand on one street. You've never seen so many churches in your life. And the titles of the churches get more and more exotic. They go on forever. But there's one church as well, the Universal Church. And uh, it pulls itself together in an amazing way. I want to say, friends, the church in the earth is incredible. Here's what Archbishop Justin Welby said recently. The local church is not a business, but it's a family that expresses help to others. There are 2,000 food banks in the UK, and 99% of them are run by local churches. The church is involved in education, chaplaincy, bereavement, help, missional contexts that go on again and again and again. The church is now doing more for people than any time since the welfare state was first started. And listen to this. Justin Welby says, and what it does is meaningless if God does not exist. You see, the expression of the local church to go and grow and to love and serve its communities because we're simply friends, the living expression of Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Church, please don't go on strike because it'd be mayhem. It really would. If the church went on strike tomorrow for an increase in pay, it would be mayhem. All over the country, friends, hurting people would feel the impact of the church pulling back on its mission. And Jesus loves the church, and he gave himself for it. And he gave it so that we might have the blessings of belonging to it. And gathering on occasions is a great opportunity for us to identify with putting God first. Now, I've heard all the stories, and here's how some of them go. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and people get so passionate about it. Folks are almost looking for what verse it is in the Bible. It's not there. It's not there. And then I get my church from God TV. Tuning in rather than turning out. Well, you might get something from it, but you're not going to get the whole package. And then what about this? God's told me to take a time out. Well, with respect, friends, that phrase comes from American sport. It's normally very brief, and then the coach tells them to get back in there. I'm a solitary person. I want to do this faith journey on my own. You're not called to do it on your own. Friends, you won't survive on your own. You need the body of Christ. 
And so I'm going to race through seven things this morning that just encourages. And when I said race through, I meant race through. I want to race through seven things. It could be 27. Such a wonderful subject. But I'm going to race through seven things this morning that will fuel our passion to be part of the gathered church. Please hear me. We understand that people can't get every week. We understand the shift patterns and shift rosters and people get ill and folks go and see friends and all of those things. We've not got somebody on the door marking you, you know, and then marking you for not coming. It doesn't work like that. This is a grace community. But the other side of it, friends, is please don't disappear. Please don't go AWOL because the gathered church is vital in the journey of putting God first. You heard from Josh very powerfully last week. We are not defining arena church simply by Sunday. Let me say it again. We are not defining arena church simply by Sunday. You heard him talk about the Monday to Saturday. Power of engaging. But you also heard him say that that gets diminished if we don't commit to what Sunday brings to us. That's how it works. And why Sunday? Well, they did make a shift in the Acts of the Apostles from what was known as the traditional Sabbath to Sunday and began to meet on the first day. But the reality is, friends, that culturally across the world, it's still the most convenient day for most of us to gather. That's why we do it. Imagine doing it Friday morning. It wouldn't work. Imagine doing it Wednesday morning. The kids have gone to school. It still works for us. And we understand in a 24-7 fluid society that that's become more of an issue to many people with regard to their work patterns. We get that. But this is still the most convenient time for us to gather. So here we go. Number one, it brings a life source. Gathering brings a life source. 1 Corinthians 12 says that the body has is made up of many parts. Now, there are many pictures in the New Testament to help us understand the church. The church is described as a bride, making itself beautiful. The church is described as an army, fit for battle. The church is described as a family. And the church is also described as a body, with many parts. Now, the body, friends, works when it's connected together. We could go to a song there, couldn't we? Need bone connect. No, we won't do it. But it works best when it's connected together. The body is not called to isolationism and independence. Please, I don't want to be overly graphic this morning, but my right arm's on that table and I'm here. It, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And you are not called to be connected from the body. Here's what I hear some people say, well, I don't think I've got any contribution to make to the body. I mean, I see those gifted musicians on the platform. I could never be on a platform. Nobody's asking you to be on a platform. And I don't think I've got anything to do. Here's what Corinthians says. Corinthians says that the weaker members of the body are all the more less indispensable. In other words, you may not feel you've got a lot to offer, but what you have got to offer is absolutely vital to make the body work. You know, I'm so thankful, friends, that in Arena Church, by God's grace, we've really sought to empower the body. I mentioned it this week in Weekly News, just a couple of teams, but we could have gone on and on. All across the room, people finding different expressions of the body. It's how it's meant to be. Listen, spiritual decline always and inevitably is linked with estrangement from body 
life. Pastor Collins here, he'll tell you out of his rich experience over years that when people disappear from their connection to the body, it almost inevitably works out in their spiritual situation and passion before God. It's how it works. But if you'll gather together, it'll be an amazing life source. And God will bless us. Not just for what you can get, that's okay, but for what you can give. Two, gathering because it empowers maturity. Ephesians 4.13, it says, becoming mature. Why was the New Testament written? For me, the overriding reason that the New Testament of the Bible was written is so that the church might come to maturity. That we might grow up. That we might be all that God's called us to be. That we might put on weight. Not, not well, as much as you like in the spiritual terms. <clears throat> that we might develop muscle. That we might grow in height. That we might not be a kindergarten where lots of little kiddies are running around squabbling. But we might be the people of God. Growing to maturity that have an impact for God's glory and for his praise. Number three. Gathering shows solidarity. In that, he, in that Hebrews context that I brought to you at the beginning of the message, in the previous verse, it talks about spurring one another on. Sp- you ever come to church and you felt a bit down? You felt, you felt a bit absorbed? You felt a bit um, preoccupied? And somebody just comes up to you and spurs you on. You think, wow, didn't get much from the preacher this morning, but that person's just really spurred me on. There was an old man that went to church every week, never missed the gathering. And sadly, in old age, he becomes stone deaf. And uh, there was a neighbor that lived near him that used to see him go to church every week. And cynically, one day, the neighbor says to him, what's the point of you going to church every week? You can't even hear a thing. And smiling, the old man replied, that may be so. But what I want to do every week is to show which side I'm on. Isn't that incredible? To show which side I'm on. You see, you can watch the football on the telly, but people gather at grounds. You can do your politics at home, but people gather at conferences. This afternoon, friends, the Mancunian derby is going to be all over the place, but people are going to make their way to the Etihad Stadium as well because they want to gather. And not only that, people are going to sit in pubs because they want to gather. And the reality is that people like to gather And us under the cause of Christ, friends, are called to gather. You see, it's something we do. We show solidarity. If I can quote the line of an old hymn in reference to the dear deaf man that gave his repost. We are on the Lord's side. Saviour, we are thine. Thine means yours if you're under 30. Number four, gathering fuels the go. I've already referred to Josh last week bringing that message about getting our heads up and going. And gathering fuels the go. You see, it's great to be involved in the world in Monday to Saturday, but the reality is it also depletes us. The reason that the Lord says keep being filled with the Spirit is because we leak, we empty. Something is taken from us. Some of you have to be in atmospheres where you're listening to language that you wouldn't like to listen to. You're you're listening to coarse jokes that you'd rather not have an ear to. 
sometimes people maybe go beyond the pale in terms of their ribbing and leg pulling and it becomes a little bit more sinister. All those things. And then we come to Sunday. And God refreshes us for the go, for tomorrow morning. Somebody said to me, who's not in this church anymore, all you are bothered about in Arena Church is Sunday. I said, you couldn't be more wrong. And you've clearly, with respect, not listened to anything we've said. It is gathering, friends, so that we might be refueled for our world Monday to Saturday in the power of engaging. Now, I drove past Morrison's yesterday and petrol, I nearly, I nearly, petrol was 121. I mean, come on. Some of us can remember when it was 83, 84. But we almost feel as though, thank you. Let me tell you, it's not come down as much as it should because oil prices have absolutely plummeted, you know. But I say all that because, you know, I only put 20 quids worth in the other day and the, 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 the thing went up a lot further than what it's been doing. And uh, about a year or so ago, perhaps a bit more, when the, when the prices were 138, 142, 144, the RAC did a report and they said that they had an unprecedented demand of people that were breaking down on the, on the roads and the motorways because they'd run out of petrol. The psychology was, the more I put it off, the less it did hurt me. You know, you've got to fill up sometime. Yeah. I don't want to pay 142 for a litre of petrol. So people kept putting it off. There was an unprecedented demand for call-outs simply on the basis of running out of fuel. Now, here's the truth. You don't have to pay for anything in the church. It's through grace. It's completely free. All God's saying this morning is don't put it off because if you keep putting it off and you keep putting it off and you keep putting it off, you'll run out of fuel. You'll start to live this Christian life on empty and it just doesn't work like that. But when you come to the house of God, sometimes you can't define it. You can't remember what the preacher said. You can't remember what the songs were. But you just know that you've had a drink. You just know that the heavenly fuel pump's been at work pouring something into you that sets you up for tomorrow. This is the church. And friends, if ever we stop doing it, please tap us on the shoulder and say so. Because this is the passion of the church. So fuel up and do it regularly. And it's absolutely free. Number five gathering because it's a place of revelation let me try and explain this word it sounds like a bit of a bible word revelation simply means revelation seems to be it simply means an unveiling and an uncovering i'm going to try and keep going with this even though someone's trying to kill me with guns but um Here's the truth about Revelation, friends. God wants to be known. And God wants us to know him. And listen, and God wants us to know him more and more. Some people believe that God is distant, that God plays hide and seek, that God plays games. He doesn't. The Bible says that if you will seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all of your heart. 
And when the people of God reach out this morning and say they're desperate for the presence of God and they long for Him, God always comes. And the journey of our discipleship, friends, is that God wants to, us to, be, to know Him more and more and more. And when we come together, something happens. Something happens in a gathering. Now, we're not defining our spirituality by the gathering. You've already heard me say that at least three times. But there are things that God does in the gathering that he doesn't do anywhere else. I defy you to create the atmosphere we have had in this meeting this morning when you're singing in the shower tomorrow. It just won't work. It just won't work. Now, please sing in the shower and make melody to the Lord. But the reality is people coming together from their world, worshipping the Lord, God comes. And God reveal himself more and more and more. And I want to say to people that are on the journey of faith, God wants you to know him and he wants you to know him more and more. And I want to say to people this morning that have done this thousands of times because you've been believers 30 or 40 years there is still more. There is still more. You know, I, I don't say with any boast, but because I come with a heart every week to receive, I'm never disappointed. Sometimes it's a sentence. Sometimes it's the framework of the message. Sometimes it's a prayer. Whatever it is, things coming out and just minister and bring an increasing revealing of who God is. Very briefly, gathering to obtain mercy. James chapter 2 and verse 13 says that mercy triumphs over judgment. And the fact is that we're all frail <clears throat> vessels on the journey that sometimes get it wrong. Not deliberately getting it wrong, but getting it wrong because we're human. And friends, this is a place of forgiveness and cleansing and renewing. It's a, pl it's a place where mistakes aren't rubbed in but rubbed out merciful love of God that washes us again and again and again. And seventh, gathering provides protection. Paul says to the, to the elders in Acts 20, 28, keep watch over the flock because he, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And the elders of this church take very seriously under the rule and reign of Jesus, his kingdom coming first, the delegated authority that's been placed over lives, so that they may create, friends, a protective cover for the flock of God. Notice it describes the people there as sheep. And we know that sheep are prone to wander. Interesting, I was in a church in Derbyshire a couple of years ago where they were setting a new elder in that was a shepherd by occupation. He brought his crook and everything. And he said, this sheep are a flock animal. They're not only prone to wander, they like to gather. And I want to say, friends, that people walk, you, there's no control in the church so people can make decisions to walk away. But recognize that when you walk away, you remove yourself from a protective cover that God has given to the church. And we don't treat this lightly because we want the gathering to be a safe place where the flock of God find rich green pastures to be blessed in their journey. So how do we respond to all this? Three things. Number one, we respond by gathering regularly. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. 
You know, you've heard from preachers often the description of the fire burning around them and somebody removes a coal and sets it there. And whilst the fire's wonderfully burning away, beautiful orange and red colors, the coal removed becomes just a charred black mess. Be careful, friends, that you don't remove yourself away. We were talking in another context this week about rhythm. Make gathering the rhythm of your life. And then gathering enthusiastically. Jesus said, the zeal for your house has consumed me. And parents, you're in this morning, and we know that the potential for it to go wrong on a Sunday morning, and for your wonderfully angelic kids not to be quite as compliant as normal, is huge. I have been there and worn the t-shirt so many times. But keep going, because I want to tell you in this instance, it's not only what's taught, it's what's caught. If you'll be enthusiastic, they'll get it. If you're pumped for the house, they'll be pumped for the house. I guarantee, friends, as they come to maturity, that every one of them are going to make the decision to be Christ followers. But give them every opportunity to do so. Gathering regularly, enthusiastically, and expectantly. Come in face. Believe that God will do something in Jesus' name. Perhaps the band will come and join me. As we bring the message to a conclusion, God first in gathering. Don't forsake the assembling, the ecclesia, the gathering of yourselves together, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Friends, God first in this wonderful principle.